Well, good morning and welcome to Christ Church Online. Great to be worshiping with you this morning. We're the Coburn family. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. I'm Samuel and this is Noah. And we've been attending Christ Church for a handful of years now. Now, admittedly, we were initially sitting in the back and content to do church from a distance. But through this church family, Christ has welcomed us to get more deeply involved. Now, I sing in the chancel choir, Rachel ran a marathon with Team World Vision, and Samuel and Noah are actively involved in the children's choirs and Sunday schools. We dearly miss seeing you all, and we hope we can share a donut together again soon. But in the meantime, we hope you're staying healthy and finding reasons to lift one another up in these troubled times. Also, a special shout out for those of you who are, have been home with young children for several months now. We get it. Um, we hope that you ha are staying sane and healthy and finding outlets to burn all the energy. A uh, special thank you to Miss Sherry and Miss Natalie for their wonderful children's hey. lesson. So if you're new here, we'd love to meet you. Please introduce yourself in the chat feature on our website or click the new here button on Facebook or do it next week. But just know that when you're ready, we'd love to meet you. Now we have a wonderful service of worship planned for you today. We've pre-recorded this welcome from home where we've been watching from our couch and in pajamas just like you. But in a few minutes, you'll see me on screen singing with some of my chancel choir friends. We pray that God will use this hour of worship to encourage and inspire you today. May your love abide. May you discern what is best. May you be pure and blameless. Again, welcome. It is so good to be together. Let us be ushered into worship with the words of the psalmist. Our hearts are ready, O Lord. Our hearts are ready. We will sing and make melody. We will awaken the dawn. We will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. We will sing praises to you among the nations for your steadfast love is great above the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Come, let us worship our Lord.
friends, let's join in a word of prayer calling upon that same spirit to be amidst all of us wherever we gather from together today. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on all of us. Lord, we invite your spirit to be coursing through each and every one of us, binding all of us together from near and far, Lord, as your church, as your body. God, we pray that we would be inspired by your spirit, that we would be anointed by your spirit, that we would be encouraged by your spirit in the places of darkness that we are experiencing in our lives. Lord, may your spirit humble us. May your spirit guide us. May your spirit shower your love upon us in powerful ways. Lord, it is by your spirit that we recognize that there are shortcomings in the way that we often live our lives. Lord, and so we plea that you would make us humble to recognize the places that we are falling short of your direction for our lives. God, we invite your spirit to be a part of the mending and correcting and pointing out the difficult areas of our lives where we are biased or we are mean or we are angry, God, or the places that we fall short of extending love to all of the people around us, Lord. We confess to you that there are places in our life where we are falling short. But Lord, we cling to your spirit. Lord, we are in love with your spirit, God, and we know that it is by your spirit that our slates are washed clean. Lord, we thank you for being with us today. We thank you for sending your spirit to be with us. And it's your son, Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Friends, would you hear this good news? God demonstrates his own love for us, all of us, in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, let us continue to worship that great God together.
it floods my soul with joy. His music makes my spirit sing and every note employ. The music of God's love for me, he sent his son to sing. The music of eternity throughout the continue with another word of prayer to our God. Great God, we are your creation. We are your children. We are your people, Lord, and we know that that message of unity, being your church, being your body, is clear throughout Scripture. God, we give thanks to you, says the the psalmist, among all the peoples, among all the nations, we will sing praises. All creation sings together of a love that faileth never. God, is this message of unity that shows us that a prayer of one of our brothers and sisters is the prayer of the body. And so today we, though scattered far and wide, Lord, we come to you as your body in prayer. Lord, over the last months it has been shown to us that that we need you. We need you. In isolation, we have been gripped by anxieties. Our vision has been impaired by biases. We have relied on vices. We have slipped into destructive practices. Lord, we need you. We lift up our brothers and sisters across the world who have been severely affected by the pandemic, by famine, by natural disaster, by war and violence, Lord, we need you. We lament and we mourn the injustices that continue to be brought to light in the way that we as individuals, we as the church, we as society offer love to some of your children more readily, easily, and freely than to others. Lord, we need you. Lord, may your justice roll on 
like a river. May righteousness be like a never-failing stream. May your spirit empower your church to have a renewed and transformed mind as we seek to grow in knowledge and depth of insight in order to grow closer to your heart. God, may we be not like the, the Levite that passes by the one who is beaten and stripped and half-dead on the road and look at them and keep walking. Lord, may we take action. May we lament together. May we pray together. God, you are a great God. You are a strong God, and we come to you as your body. Lord, give us the strength. Give us the encouragement. Draw us closer to who you are so that our hearts can mirror your own. Lord, that the love that you shower on us, we can go and shower to all creation, to all nations, to all people. God, that is our prayer. May your spirit empower your church to have a renewed and transformed mind. And God, in that same idea of unity, we join the many brothers and sisters who have run the race before us by saying together the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray long ago, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, as we will hear a little bit later in our time together, Paul shares his posture of gratitude with the church of Philippi right away in the first verses of his letter to that church. And even while he was imprisoned or in chains, Paul felt that it was important to make a point of this gratitude. You see, the posture of gratitude can change our perspectives completely. Focusing on thanksgiving to God— for our gifts, for our treasures, for our talents and our circumstances, allows us to humble ourselves before God and his spirit to renew our minds, to transform our vision. Someone in our community who lives a posture of gratitude out in an inspirational way for me and all of those around him is Jason, one of the wonderful servant leaders on our worship teams here at Christ Church. Upon receiving a compliment for his worship leading during a service, his first response is not, oh, thank you so much. I've been working on that for a while, and it's my great pleasure to be able to share that with you. No, instead, his first response is, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. First, he points upwards to the God who gave him the gifts of singing. Just an amazing inspiration for me as I see him living out that posture of gratitude. What would it look like for all of us, all of God's church, to adopt a similar posture of gratitude to God? Not only might it help us remember that we have all been given our blessings to God, but it also might inspire us to give more freely as a response to the great love that God pours out on all of us. And stepping into a posture of gratitude takes steps forward. 
whether it's changing your response when somebody offers you a compliment or recognizing the blessings that you have been freely given, let's lean into a posture of gratitude together as a church. And when we give out of gratitude, as our minds are renewed towards gratitude, it becomes a joyful action. Giving does. An act of worship and thanksgiving to our God when we can freely give to others. And as we reflect together on gratitude, we invite you to take a step toward giving freely in response to God's blessings by following the link on the screen to give to the church, uh, the giving button next to the stream window in your browser, or you can leave a donation in one of the boxes outside of the doors at either one of our campuses. And as you give, we pray that you would do so out of the posture of gratitude that we are called to. Good morning and a warm welcome to all of you. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, I am Lisa Capazzoli and I'm one of the pastors serving on staff at church. And on behalf of the pastors and staff, we miss you. We love you and we hope you're all doing okay. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever wondered what kind of life God calls us into, especially during this time of unease and unrest? We are in the middle of a major worldwide pandemic. We are suffering through an unprecedented health crisis with COVID-19. We're also in a major season of change that is filled with racial and social unease and turmoil. 
Today we're launching a new sermon series where we will be studying the book of Philippians and talking about what it means to live life together. If you think about it, we have a God that is all about relationship and is all about community. We have a God who loves the world so much that he gave us Jesus. And it is through our personal relationship with Jesus that we learn to live the life that God calls us into, a life that is abounding in love, a life that is filled with courageous and humble servanthood, a life lived so close to Jesus that it is all about humility and honoring others, that it is about lifting up the marginalized and giving voice to the voiceless, a life that is filled with love and compassion for those who are different from us. So how do we live a life like this? How do we live into the life that Jesus calls us to live? We start first by loving the church. Why? Simply because of Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus loves you and me, and it is through the church that we learn to love Jesus, love each other, and love the world. This is our gift from God. Today we're going to be looking at God's gift through a love letter, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. And it is my hope and my prayer that we can once again receive God's love for us as the body of Christ. And through the body of Christ, we can learn to live lives that are abounding in love as we co-labor for the gospel. A love so great that it takes us out of our comfort zone. God is calling us out of our comfort zone to love others, especially with the events of the last four weeks, especially with the murder of George Floyd and others. We are called now more than ever to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God to live lives that are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes only from Jesus. So to get us started, let us hear from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have a question, how many of us have saved those special letters from that special someone? I recall my own parents' love letters. 
My dad was away training in the Navy and he would write my mom every single week. The letters were like food for her. She would hang on every word, every nuance, every letter was a gift. Scripture is like this. If we stop and think about it, Scripture is God's love letter to us. God has paused during his very busy day and found some very special people to write his very special letters, his love letters and his stories to us about us and about the world and about him. God tells us how he created the world, how he created us and how we sinned against him, but how God chose to love us anyway and has been pursuing us ever since through Jesus, through his disciples and through the church, the body of Christ. Let's pause for a moment, picture this. Can you imagine receiving a handwritten letter from the Apostle Paul himself personally? How excited you would be to receive a piece of inspired writing from the leading spiritual leader of the day. And that is precisely what the church, the early believers at Philippi must have felt as this letter was hand delivered to them. But this is not just a letter to the church at Philippi. This is a letter to Christ church and to every church. One of the many things I've come to realize, I think that we've come to realize in this time of quarantine and COVID-19 is that the church is not a building. We have a beautiful church building that we have all been, all given generously and sacrificially to help build. But the church is not a building. The church is you and me. It is the body of Christ. It is community and it is life together. This ancient letter is intended for every follower of Jesus. It is intended for every Christian of every generation. This letter is a reminder of what it means to live life together in community, the life God wants for all of us. And it is a reminder that in order to live this life in community, we need to love the church, the body of Christ. First, this is an intensely personal letter. The relationship that Paul had developed with the believers in Philippi was a close bond marked by deep affection. Paul was the founding pastor of this church and already had invested much of his life with them. He warmly refers to his congregants as my joy and my crown. I'm pretty sure that all of us would love to be called my joy and my crown by anyone, especially the Apostle Paul. This letter reveals the depths of authentic and personal community between the believers. This letter is also a joyful letter. Paul wrote it to encourage the hearts of believers and to urge them to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, especially now we live in a world that is saturated by stress and anxiety. We can lament and cry out to God and that is good and expected and what we should be doing. But we also can tap into the joy that seems to pour out of Paul. See, Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. He was handcuffed to a guard and yet he was still praising God and singing hymns. And lastly, this letter is a love letter. It is a letter filled with the love for God, the love for the gospel, and the love for God's people, the gathered community. 
and it is through the gathered community that labors together for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the gospel that we become the body of Christ, abounding in love for God's glory. Paul, of course, is the author of this letter. This is the same Paul that we knew through his Hebrew name, Saul. Saul of Tarsus would have been known as one of the best and the brightest, a Roman citizen trained in the best Jewish schools, groomed perhaps to become a chief high priest. And this highly educated, very pious man was bent on the destruction of Christians everywhere. So Saul launches a holy war against the church. He invaded homes, pulling men and women out of their beds and sending them off to prison. He was on a rampage to kill Christians. Then Saul heads off to Damascus to find more Christians to kill. And who does he run into? He has an encounter with Jesus. And it is through that encounter with Jesus that Paul becomes one of the best and greatest leaders of all time. The setting of this letter is, of course, the city of Philippi, located in Macedonia. And this is modern-day northeastern Greece. And Paul shared a special relationship with the Christians at Philippi. The beginning of that friendship and the birth of this church is the backstory of this letter, and it is found in the book of Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions were on a mission. They had an agenda, and they knew where they were going. They were headed to Bithynia, but when they tried to go to Bithynia, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Then during the night, Paul saw a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul and his companions catch the next ship to Macedonia and proceeded to Philippi, its leading city. Now, Paul's custom when entering a new city was to go straight to the Jews at the synagogue. But in this city, there were so few Jews that the necessary quorum of 10 men to form a synagogue did not exist. However, on the Sabbath, Paul and his friends come upon a group of Gentile women gathered on the side of the Gangites River. They were worshiping and praying together. And one of those women in the group was named Lydia. Lydia was a famous and successful businesswoman who sold purple cloth. And as Luke tells it, Lydia was a worshiper of God. She followed Yahweh. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Paul told her all about Jesus. And from this interaction with Paul, Lydia and her entire household became believers in Jesus. They were all baptized on the side of the Gangites River. The first Christians of Philippi were born. While still at Philippi, Paul and his fellow traveler Silas, they were busy preaching it up and they were arrested for disturbing the peace. They were incarcerated in pitch black darkness, beaten with rods and shackled in stocks. But instead of weeping and crying out for help, Paul and Silas were singing hymns. Can you imagine that? Did they know that just a few years earlier, Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount said, rejoice and be glad, blessed are those who are persecuted. 
And then it happened. A violent earthquake shook the prison, opening the doors, loosening the chains. The jailer woke up and cries out, what must I do to be saved? To which they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. The jailer took Paul and Silas and wiped their wounds. The jailer and his entire household became believers in Jesus and they were baptized. On the way out of town, Paul and Silas stop at Lydia's home once again. According to author Kent Hughes, he suggests as, as they gathered, they were worshiping and there were tears and laughter and prayers and thanksgiving to God, prayers for this new church. Lydia, a Gentile, a jailer, part of law enforcement, their families and the other Gentile women from the Gangites River were also gathered a church had been born, the body of Christ in glorious diversity. So what does this all mean for us and our church today? When we are part of the body of Christ, we get the opportunity to be partners in the gospel with Jesus. Paul says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The word partnership comes from the Greek word koinonia, which also means fellowship. The same word fellowship or partnership appears six times in this letter. This is not the social fellowship that we think of when we talk about coffee and donuts after worship. No, this is a church that is committed about relationships, about a mutual commitment and co-laboring for the gospel. These are people experiencing life together. From day one, the Philippians were gospel partners. Lydia not only sold her purple cloths, she served her savior. And she stayed in business so that she might have money to help her church. And how her generous care of Paul and Silas would have warmed their hearts and brought so much encouragement. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren reminds us that life is meant to be shared. God intends for us to experience life together. I think that especially in this time of quarantine, we realize how much we miss each other, how much we need each other as the body of Christ. I have talked to so many of you over the phone who can't wait to get back to church so we can serve together, to co-labor together in ministry as, a, as we serve together, we become known and loved for who we are and known and loved for what we bring to the table. We are hardwired to want to experience life together and to co-labor for the gospel. Also, by being part of the body of Christ, Paul prays that your love may abound and that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus. When Jesus walked this earth, God worked through his physical body. But today God uses the spiritual body. The church is God's instrument here on earth. And as the body of Christ, we are called to love each other and we are called to love the world. As the church, we are the hands and feet, the heart and soul of Jesus. We each have a contribution to make. Through Jesus Christ, together, our love can abound into the world. So I want to encourage you here that even though we are not back together at church, there are ways that you can serve from home. 
Perhaps you can call your neighbor and check in on them and pray with them. Send them a note of encouragement or buy them a bag of groceries and leave it on the porch. Perhaps you can provide one or two hours of childcare to a frazzled mom or dad. Or you can pray for our church community. In fact, over the last four weeks, our senior pastor, Dan Meyer, has suggested there are four ways, there are four redemptive actions that we can make, even though we are, might be still quarantined at home. First, we can pray to God that he would move in the hearts of all of us, that we would grow and change and transform. Secondly, we can seek to learn humbly about the social and racial events and history of our own country that we may not have been aware of. Thirdly, we can engage with others who are different from us, have a different experience in America than we do. And finally, we can acknowledge and discover where God might be leading us to grow and change and to serve. One of Christ Church's long-term domestic partners that we have supported for many decades is the Lawndale Christian Community Church. During the weeks of the murder of George Floyd and others, the riots and the peaceful protests, I received a very wonderful and encouraging letter from the founding pastor, Pastor Wayne Gordon, who founded Lawndale Christian Community Church. Pastor Gordon also sent me a book that he wrote alongside his friend John Perkins called Do All Lives Matter? And God put it on my heart today to share this story of Lawndale Community Church with you because it is a beautiful example of what God calls us to do as the body of Christ, to move out of our comfort zone, to co-labor in the gospel, and to live lives that are abounding in love. More than 40 years ago, Wayne Gordon and his wife, Anne, decided to move out of their comfort zone into the Lawndale community. This is one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in all of Chicago. So it wasn't an easy decision for this white couple to make their home on these mean streets. In the fall of 1975, Wayne Gordon started coaching and teaching at the Farragut High School on Chicago's west side. At that time, Wayne and Anne started a Christian athletes Bible study with students from the high school. And from this core group of high school students, Wayne and Anne and one of the moms of several of the boys, the idea of starting a church was first conceived. With a meeting of only 15 people in March of 1978, the Lawndale Community Church went from a dream to a reality. Included in the book, Do All Lives Matter, is a story that Wayne Gordon gave me permission to share with you today. You may recall in July of 2014, a man by the name of Eric Garner was arrested and put in a chokehold for selling loose cigarettes in the middle of New York City. With the chokehold, Eric Garner could not breathe, and so he died at the hands of police. In December of 2014, the police officer who was responsible for the death of Eric Garner was not indicted. There were calls for the churches to band together to form some sort of demonstration to voice their disagreement with the lack of charges being brought against this police officer. J. 
James Brooks, the senior pastor of Harmony Community Church, along with Pastor Wayne Gordon, decided that their churches would join forces. So they came up with a plan for their churches to march for justice and peace in the Lawndale community. They spread the word of their plan to their congregants uh, through text and email. And on Sunday, December 7th at 11 a.m., the Lawndale Community Church was ready to walk the streets. The police were aware of their plan and let them know that they would be arrested and detained if they obstructed traffic. Ann and Wayne Gordon were the first out onto the streets after the worship service. The rest of the pastoral team and the chair of the deacon board also helped to lead the way. About 800 people from Lawndale Community Church and another 150 from Harmony Community Church walked out onto the streets on that cold December day. Several other churches joined in. Helicopters flew overhead to monitor what was going on and make recordings for the evening news. They chanted, let justice roll down, loving God, loving people. As more than 1,200 congregants walked the four blocks from Ogden Avenue to a major intersection that was heavily congested with traffic and people. All of them assumed that they would be arrested and detained. As it turns out, instead of being arrested, the police joined in with the pastors and the congregation. Over 50 police officers blocked traffic so that they all could march. And the police stood in solidarity with the congregation, showing their opposition to police brutality. Before walking back, Pastor Wayne Gordon and the rest of the pastors shook hands and hugged every single police officer and woman in the middle of that busy intersection. Then they prayed all together for the police of the 10th district and the entire city of Chicago, shutting down traffic for 15 minutes. We have the pastors, the police men and women, and the congregation all praying together for justice and for peace. Wayne and Ann Gordon are living out the abounding love that Paul was talking about in his letter to the Philippians. The Lawndale Christian Community Church has been a positive force for change for over 40 years. Not only do they have two worship services each Sunday, supporting over 1,000 families with a multitude of ministries during the week, they're also busy renovating apartments, building a first-class fitness center, mentoring students, running a medical clinic, and leading the charge, the effort in providing restorative justice in the Lawndale community. Friends, this is what can happen when we love the church, when we follow Jesus, when we live a life that is abounding in love, that is about moving out of our comfort zone and honoring those who are marginalized as we co-labor for the gospel. When we act justly, when we love mercy, and when we walk humbly with our God, just like the church at Philippi. Let us pray. Dear Father, help us to live the life that Jesus calls us to live, to live in abounding love. 
as we labor together for the gospel. Help us to be the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Help us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes only from Jesus and to live for God's glory. Amen. And now, dear friends, as we come to the end of this wonderful time of worship, as the body of Christ live lives that are abounding in love, co-labor for the gospel, lift up the marginalized, give voice to the voiceless, and may the love of God the Father, may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship and community of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.